Last week was so good, celebrating our 75th anniversary as a church community, and it was so good to see so many people gathering and giving thanks to God uh, for all that He's done for us and through us, and uh, talking about being on mission together in the world with Dr. Wayne Hillsden. It was uh, just a really, really wonderful celebration. We're going to leave our 75th anniversary um, YouTube recording uh, on our YouTube channel, so if you haven't seen it yet, you can be a part of it. And um, so we're just leaning into the future, giving thanks to God for the past. And um, we have raised um, almost, uh, not quite half of our total. Uh, we're, we're aiming to raise $25,000 for uh, FIRM, which is Fellowship of Israel-Related Ministries, um, where we're making a contribution to those who are struggling and those who are under-resourced and those who find themselves in some trouble. In, in Israel. And uh, so if you haven't contributed yet, you're invited to do so. You can head over to kingstreet.org, find the donate button, and you can find um, Project uh, Israel, Matthew 25, and uh, those dollars in their entirety go to help other people um, who could use some help. So this morning, we're starting a new series of scripture talks called Do Life Differently. And uh, it will take us right up to the Advent season, which is four weeks before Christmas. And yes, I said Christmas. Uh, it's not that far off. Once you kind of get to Thanksgiving, Christmas is kind of in sight. So um, we're going to spend the next number of weeks working through the book of Philippians and uh, considering how we could or should do life differently as a Jesus-following community. And uh, the Apostle Paul uh, wrote to the Romans. It wasn't just his um, idea for the Philippian church, but for other churches too, where he said in chapter 12 of the book of Romans, verse 2, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. In other words, Paul was saying it's an important idea in the Christian faith for us to do life differently, to kind of go upstream. And uh, the reason Paul taught that was because that was Jesus' teaching too. In Matthew chapter 5, he said those who formed uh, his followers, those who signed up to be in his uh, rabbinical school of learning, his discipleship community, they would be the salt of the earth, the light of the world. And so there was a sense in which they were to uh, do life differently. And uh, in many ways, this idea of holiness or the word holy um, does include this idea of different. You know, God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, He is holy. And in other words, He's very different than the rest of His creation. Uh, we are all dependent on Him. He is an independent being. And uh, so he is incredibly different than us, and yet he makes us in his likeness as well. And so um, the writer, uh, the Apostle Paul, who writes to the Philippians, is inviting the early Christians to do life differently. And um, Paul actually started this church, and you can read in the book of Acts, chapter 16, some of the details around how that church got started. And uh, Paul is writing from a Roman prison. And... Um, there was no air conditioning, there was no color television. It was a dark, um, damp um, Roman environment that was probably cold and not very hospitable. And Paul writes his letters to many of the early churches from prison, including this letter to the Philippians. And um, the form of Philippians, four chapters, it, it takes the form of a series of almost mini blogs that Paul writes. And um, the center of gravity in the book of Philippians is found in chapter 2, where Paul writes a poem. And it's really a poem describing um, 
the nature of Jesus and the role and function of Messiah. And it's a beautiful, a beautiful poem that kind of anchors the book. And uh, much of what Paul writes before and after uh, finds its orientation around Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 to 11. So uh, verses 5 to 8 will serve as our passage to ponder over the next number of weeks. And so this is what Paul writes. He says, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. We should think differently. We should think the way Christ thought. And our mindset and our worldview should resemble his. Um, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God or the status of God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And that's not the end of that passage, but that's where we'll kind of stay for our passage to ponder. Paul would go on and continue to write that God exalted him um, and, and every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. Not that Caesar is Lord, but that Jesus is Lord. And um, so we're going to talk about doing life differently. And uh, our teaching theme this morning is going to be about um, being discerning or be discerning. And uh, we'll take a look at the first 11 verses of Philippians chapter 1 and we'll walk through it. Uh, and we'll, we'll take a look at what Paul is writing there. And at the very end of the, of the teaching, we'll kind of um, take a look at what it means for us to be a discerning uh, people. And in fact, maybe just as we get started, we'll, we'll consider um, a biblical understanding of discernment. What is biblical discernment? And really, it comes down to this, to test, examine, approve, or to look deeper than the surface of things. Um, it is a spiritual gift mentioned in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, where um, certain people are given the capacity to distinguish or to discern um, uh, at, a, at a very different level and to discern between spirits. And, uh, but at the same time, the Christian community are all invited to be discerning, have character qualities where they're known for being people of discernment. And uh, maybe these two scripture verses will help us as well as we think about uh, discernment just before we, we start through Philippians. In 1 Chronicles chapter 12, verse 32, the writer gives us these words. From the tribe of Issachar, there were 200 leaders of the tribe with their, with their relatives. All these men understood the signs of the times and knew the best course for Israel to take. And so there was this idea that they knew what to do. They understood their context. They understood the times that they were living in and they knew what was best. And we'll hold on to that word because we'll come back to it a bit later this morning. And then one last passage as well, Ephesians 5 verses 15 and 16, one from the Older Testament, one from the New Testament to help us understand this concept of discernment. See then that you walk circumspectly or with awareness, not as fools, but as wise. Discernment and wisdom are closely correlated. Um, redeeming the time because the days are evil. And so this passage helps us understand what it would be like to be a person of discernment, where we understand our context, we're people of wisdom, where we're walking with a greater sense of awareness and uh, both of ourselves and what's going on around us. This is what's meant by the term circumspectly. And so um, biblical discernment, to test, examine, approve, to take, take a deeper look than just the surface matter of things. Okay, so uh, three thoughts as we move through the first 11 verses of Philippians chapter one, and we'll land by making some application points around being a discerning community of people. All right, number one, God's people are called to be holy, to do life differently. And we are called to be people of, of peace and grace and people who are known for serving. 
Paul opens up this letter, and remember he's writing from a Roman prison, and he says in verse 1, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul opens up this letter. Again, his companion along uh, the pastoral pilgrimage is uh, a younger man named Timothy, and Paul includes him in this letter. And he talks about how, first and foremost, both Paul and Timothy are servants of Christ. And uh, that's a really important for, uh, thing for us to consider. That's how Paul perceived himself. He understood the most important thing about him was that he was a servant of Christ. He served the Philippian people as well as other um, first century churches. But first and foremost, he saw himself as a servant of Jesus. And so people uh, who are going to do life differently, they see their role in this world as servants. Um, Paul acknowledges that his primary function is to serve Christ and his purposes. In fact, when Paul is sitting in this Roman prison, he's not really sure if he will be executed or whether he will eventually be freed. And so he writes a little bit later in chapter one, he says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And so Paul understood that the totality of his life was summed up in his relationship to Jesus or with Jesus. Um, we would read a little bit later in the book of Philippians that there was a man named Epaphroditus who came with a care package from the Philippian church to Paul, and it was an expression of their love, care, and concern for him. And in chapter 3 of um, the book of, of Philippians, he elevates um, both Timothy and Epaphroditus, and he says that he's a good man and that he should be, uh, people like him should be honored. And, and Paul affirms him and celebrates him. And so within the Christian community, service is a big value. Again, because it was important to the Lord Jesus. It was important to the first uh, century church leadership. And it should remain important to us today. It doesn't matter um, how many people may report to us. What matters most is how well we serve one another. Um, power and privilege are things that get completely flipped upside down in the kingdom of God. And, um, and so if we're going to be people who do life differently, we'll see our role in this world as servants. And we'll also understand that we receive and we dispense grace and peace. Uh, Paul is sharing um, a common greeting with his Philippian brothers and sisters. Um, you know, grace and peace to you, he says. Um, it's, it's more than just a greeting because those terms are so um, theologically rich and they're so helpful for us as we think about what it means for us to live our lives with Jesus at the very center. Um, Paul extends grace and peace to his friends in Philippi. Uh, we, we could stop right there and spend the rest of this um, teaching on what it means for us to be people of grace and peace. And um, grace is getting what we don't deserve, uh, getting what we have not earned or worked for. Um, peace, uh, from a Hebrew point of view, has a lot to do, again, this concept of shalom in Hebrew, about wholeness and well-being. Um, it's about having enough, but more than enough, so that we can be of help to others. It's uh, David saying, my cup overflows. Um, and in the New Testament, there's a Greek word, irene, which is really trying to capture a complementary idea to the Older Testament view of peace. And really, the Greek word irene is to set one, sorry, to set at one again. And that might feel a little bit awkward to say, but this concept of bringing together uh, wholeness again, to set at one 
again, bringing together wholeness, well-being. There's even an idea of prosperity there where Paul is saying, grace and peace may all go well with you. Um, he's greeting them and he's blessing them all at the same time. We as the people of God who are doing life differently are going to be people who will demonstrate that we are both receivers and dispensers of grace and that we will be people who will bring peace to bear in the world. That's why Jesus taught, blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called sons and daughters of God. Um, that's what our Lord Jesus was, a peacemaker. And those of us who follow him should be out making peace uh, as often as possible. As much as it depends on us, Paul wrote, live at peace with everyone. That should be a, a healthy ambition of a Jesus following person. Okay, number two, God's people are called to be holy, to do life differently um, through our praying, our partnering, and our persevering. We'll uh, let the text continue to speak, um, but the four, first four words are powerful reminders for us. Uh, that when we have given our allegiance to Jesus, we do live differently. Um, and Paul shows this by an example of sitting in a dark, damp Roman prison. And the words that come out of his mouth are incredible. Listen to this. He's not complaining. He's actually living with gratitude. He says, I thank my God. The first four words, sitting in prison. I thank my God. Every time I remember you, in all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you as the Philippian church community, he will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart and whether I am in chains, whether I'm imprisoned or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. That's verses three to eight of Philippians chapter one. Um, Paul was on to something. Uh, when he was in that first century prison, he could have easily collapsed from the inside out. He could have, been come a, could have become a complainer. He could have seen um, his cup half empty or completely empty. Uh, but instead he approaches his situation with gratitude. And he remembers, he recalls the names and the faces of other uh, church family members from Philippi that bring him great joy. In fact, Paul was on to something in the first century that um, social scientists are coming to terms with today. In fact, the Mayo Clinic, um, they have actually uh, written a book. It's called The Mayo Clinic's Guide to Stress-Free Living. And in that book, they actually say that when we're experiencing high uh, levels of anxiety or stress, one of the most important things we can do as a strategy to deal with it is before we get out of bed in the morning to practice giving thanks for the people in our lives. Um, the writer of this book actually says that we should recall the mental images of the faces of people that we're extremely grateful for. Some of those people may have already graduated and gone on to be with the Lord. Other people might be in our life right now or people that were in our life in the past. And we just acknowledge with gratitude the role that they've played in our life. And so names and faces. The writer of this book actually says, this is a way to alleviate stress and damaging anxiety and to posture your heart for a wonderful start to the day. This is how Paul operated. I thank my God every time I remember you. And so we live differently by the way that we pray. Um, the apostle Paul, instead of praying about himself only, he was meditating with gratitude and joy on God and others. 
and uh, despite his circumstances. And this is not easy for us to do because we have a tendency to get a little bit distracted with our own circumstances and situations. We can get a little bit of internal introspective tunnel vision and uh, we can easily move toward um, adopting um, an attitude of complaint. Um, there's a place for us to um, complain to God. Lamentations is a book that uh, elevates the, um, the holy complaint, so to speak, that we can bring to God as an expression of prayer. But in this situation for Paul, he is going upstream. He is doing life differently. And he is giving thanks to God. And he is giving thanks to God for the people in his life, even though his circumstances were less than ideal. And so uh, we live differently by the way that we pray. We don't just pray about ourselves. Sometimes I find myself praying about me and maybe praying about me far too often, shifting the attention off of myself, most importantly onto God, and then onto others in my life and people who might be in far greater trouble than me. And so it's important for us to pay attention to how we pray because it's a bit of an indicator of what's going on in our hearts. Um, we live differently by the way we partner. Um, Paul is teaching here that he sees the first century Philippian church as partners in the gospel. Uh, Paul is reaching toward brothers and sisters. Um, he is reaching across potential divides, not creating them. Um, we read in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 that Paul experienced opposition in Philippi, um, but he considered the believers, those inside the church, to be partners. Um, there will always be relational challenges in life. Um, but we are called not to um, extrapolate those challenges and differences, but to be bridge builders and to reach for commonality, especially inside the church. Now, the Philippian church wasn't perfect. If you read into chapter four, and we'll get there at some point as we move through the series, there are two women by the name of Iodia and Synthke, and uh, Greek names, of course. And, and these, are, these are women who uh, were not getting along. And Paul writes, and he mentions their names in this letter to the Philippian church. And he says, I plead with Euodia, I plead with Synthke to have the same mindset. In other words, to, to get along and to focus on what they have in common. And um, there's enough opposition in the culture to the Jesus following community. Inside the church, we should find allies and friends and brothers and sisters and family who are pulling for one another and cheering for each other. And so um, we live differently by the way we partner with one another. And it seems to be that in our culture these days, um, everybody seems to have strong opinions about a lot of things. And some of those opinions are polarizing. Uh, I think in the church, we should have uh, our own opinions because unity is not uniformity. So we'll see things slightly differently and that's okay. But we don't make our opinions um, points of division or points where we reduce others in our own eyes. Uh, we, we, we see them as complementary, and we, we learn to accommodate and accept one another. This is the unity of the spirit that God wants us to promote and protect. And so um, we do live differently by the way we partner with one another. We don't operate by the same system and the principles and the rules of this world. We operate differently. Um, we bear one another's burdens. Uh, we don't point out the things that might be flaws in others. Love covers a multitude of sins. Uh, this is who we are as a Jesus following community. And then finally, we live differently by the way we persevere. Uh, Paul didn't cut and run. Um, we're joyfully aware of God's work, whether we be in a Roman prison in the first century or whether we be in a corner office in a, in a business tower downtown Toronto. Um, we persevere. There are challenges in life and uh, we are known as a community of people who don't quit and who don't surrender and don't give up. 
we yield our life to the Spirit, but we persevere. We keep doing the next right thing. It's who we are. Paul continues to faithfully work for Jesus even when he is in chains in a Roman prison. So I don't know what kind of setting you find yourself in these days. There are challenging circumstances that we may face. The gospel invites us, empowers us by the Spirit to uh, bear fruit, even through challenging times and in difficult settings. And uh, we go upstream. We live differently by the way we persevere. All right, number three. God's people are called to be holy, to do life differently, by discerning what's best. By discerning what is best. Um, We'll pick it up in verse nine. And this is my prayer, Paul writes, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and the praise of God. So I've got three quick thoughts for you to help us, and they'll be really quick. How do we grow our capacity to discern wisely? We wanna be the kinds of people who are known for wisdom, who discern what's best in certain situations and circumstances. So here are the three. The first one is this cultivate a lifestyle of prayer. Not just a moment in the day that I pray, but a series of moments throughout the day where I carry on the conversation with God. Sometimes they're sentences, sometimes they're paragraphs, sometimes they're pages, sometimes they're whole chapters. Uh, They vary in length, but we carry on an ongoing conversation with God. Um, Discernment can be learned and increased through companionship with God. Um, In James chapter one, Verse five, James writes this. If any of you lack wisdom, you should ask God. That's prayer. You should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. Now, just before uh, James writes that, there's a passage just before it that says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds. And, and Paul then goes on and writes these words that say, if we lack wisdom, because we're in the middle of a uh, difficult set of circumstances where we're experiencing trials of many kinds. Ask God for discernment or wisdom to be able to uh, navigate your way through it. Because it's not always easy when we're in the pressure cooker of life to be able to know what's best for that season, for that moment in time, for that relationship. And so uh, we're invited to uh, cultivate a lifestyle of prayer. Secondly, Retain an open posture to the wisely selected people in your life. Uh, I, I, I love this, um, this quote. Um, is it true and best for me or true and best for everyone? That's a really important principle to think about. Is it true and best for me or is it true and best for everyone? If it's true and best for everyone, then you'll find that um, scripture will teach about it very clearly. If it's true and best for me, Uh, there will be principles there that might address it, but it's uh, a little more ambiguous. Uh, You find a wonderful chapter, if you want to read it as homework, uh, Romans chapter 14, where Paul says not everyone's going to see it the same way. Uh, He calls them disputable matters, even though it's probably not wise to dispute about them for too long, but they're gray areas. For one, uh, someone's conscience is approved to exercise a certain measure of freedom in that area. For another person, their conscience is not free to exercise um, movement in that area. And so uh, we, we entrust one another to the Holy Spirit. And I love the role of the Spirit too, because this shows up in the book of Acts, chapter 15, verse 28, a well-known passage. Um, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us 
not to burden you with anything beyond the following requirements. And then they write out what those requirements were for the first century church in Jerusalem. And, and so the Holy Spirit and the community of believers discerned together what was best. And so we need to remain connected to our circle. This is one of the reasons why we continue to invite people um, away from the YouTube channel if they're able-bodied and, and healthy to come join us in, in person because the church is always a relational community. Uh, the YouTube channel serves a purpose. Uh, but at the end of the day for us, we are a relationally connected community and we need help from one another. And uh, so often we discern what's best by living in community with other people who can give us another perspective, another angle on what's happening in our life or in their life, and we learn from one another. Finally, the third um, principle that can help us grow our capacity to discern well is pay attention to what's happening around you. Um, we read a passage earlier about walking circumspectly, being aware, and uh, paying attention is an important practice. Uh, paying attention to what's happening inside of us and all around us. And uh, we can learn, we can discern when we pay attention. That means we have to slow down a little bit and not rush and not run. Um, Proverbs chapter 24, verses 30 to 34. I love this passage. The writer says, I went past the field of a sluggard, past the vineyard of someone who has no sense. They don't have much discernment capacity. Thorns had come up everywhere. The ground was covered with weeds and the stone wall was in ruins. I applied my heart. See, he's slowing down long enough to pay attention. I applied my heart to what I observed and learned a lesson from what I saw. He used observation skills. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come on you like a thief and scarcity like an armed man. Proverbs 24, verses 30 to 34. I, I love this um, little snapshot or little vignette of what the writer describes of just an exercise in awareness, an exercise in paying attention. Um, when we live our life with our eyes wide open and our ears tuned up to all that's going on within and around us, um, we can grow our capacity to discern and to learn to know what's best in every situation. So we're just gonna walk through Philippians over the next number of weeks. It's always good to just slow things down a little bit, take uh, the passage and just what is God saying to us through this portion of scripture? Um, again, Paul was uh, someone who understood his primary role was a servant and peace and grace really mattered. It's part of who we are as a church community. It's part of who we are as the people of God. And praying, partnering and persevering is part of going upstream in life. We approach all of that differently as a church community. And then finally, um, we are called to be people who discern what's best and uh, we do that by uh, cultivating a lifestyle of prayer, retaining an open posture of wisely selected people in our life, and then we pay attention to what's happening all around us. So I wanna pray for you, and then our host pastors are gonna come back. Father, thank you again today for the invitation to do life differently, to live a holy life. And uh, Lord, we know that there's so much more to holiness than just doing life differently, but it includes it. And I pray that you would help us, God, to be people who are holy, people who are uh, distinguished by how we live our lives that we would truly be the salt of the earth, the light of the world. And uh, we pray that you would help us, God, to develop this um, capacity to discern. We live in some precarious times where it seems everybody has an opinion and some hold strongly to them. Help us, God, to be wise these days, even when it comes to um, absorbing news and media and all the things that are being talked about on social platforms, etc. Help us, God, to keep our nose in the good book, to have a thoroughly baptized Christian worldview. 
and help us to live well in this world so that we reflect Messiah Jesus and his character as we learned in Philippians chapter 2 verses 5 to 11. So God, we love you today. Just pray for your peace and grace over us. May we be truly people of peace and grace. And we pray this in the awesome name of God, who is forever Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.